Well, thanks, Andy. Thanks for hosting us. Um, I'm particularly happy that he was our host this morning because it makes this moment that much more special. Many of you know Andy's kind of an avid Bengals fan, right? You guys get it? What you, what you may not know is that the fandom that he expresses in these walls is just like a microchasm <laughs> of the obsession that he has. So with that, I just want to show you something here. Andy, yeah, he does own white tiger striped pants. Um, and I've worn some weird things in my day, but that's topping it. Um, so uh, this, is, this is kind of a beautiful picture of what it looks like when Andy, uh, the lengths Andy will go to support what he loves. And we see that around here, too, um, the way he leads around here. He and we will go to any lengths necessary to help people uh, and to create environments to help people come and encounter God, right? Um, but if we're honest, if we're all honest, when we kind of come close and rub shoulders with other people's passions, it can often be uncomfortable, right? A little weird, a little off-putting. We're like, this is too much, right? <laughs> Pants. Uh, <laughs> but we, we all acknowledge this, right? When we come up against other people's passions, it can sometimes be uncomfortable, whether you're either an outsider or you're just not that far down the road into whatever their, their passion is, right? So take, for example, Andy and the great whiteout of Monday night football. If, if you guys watched this past Monday night, um, there's going to be a picture up here. The, the stadium was wild. Everybody wore their white, and like everything just looked crazy. Like You saw on the TV, and you're like, what is happening? It's bright, and it's weird. It doesn't look like a normal Bengals game. So it's crazy, right? But I think in that stadium right there, there are varying levels of discomfort that are represented in, the, in those stands. I think you've got the guy on the extreme who's like, a client invited me to this game. I'm not a really a sports guy. I'm not from this town. And he's there like, what are these crazy people doing? That is wearing tiger pants. Okay. I don't understand sports. But he's kind of like, oh, this is cool, though. I mean, wow. I'm glad I'm here. And then you have the other extreme kind of person who's like an L.A. transplant, and she shows up in her blue and her yellow jersey, and she's like, oh, man, I'm a little scared. I'm a little freaked out. Um, but even in feeling out of place, she also senses like there's a place for me here. I'm connected to this. I want to be here. I like this. But she's certainly uncomfortable. She's got to be uncomfortable in that sea, right? But then you can go down to this, like, more mild level of discomfort. You've got the guy who showed up that night, and I think I saw him on TV. He's, he didn't get the memo, right, for whatever reason. He shows up, and he's in his old black bangles hoodie that he got on clearance years ago, like during the dark seasons. Like, and he's still pumped. He's like, I don't know. These people, I didn't know they were going to go this hard. But I like these people. I'm connected to this crowd. I want to be in this. It's really cool. But he's still kind of uncomfortable because he's like, shoot, I didn't, man, I'm in the wrong clothes. I don't even have a white bangles shirt. Do those exist? Um, so you have all these varying degrees of discomfort in a place that's pretty cool, right? We'll keep these strange illustrations of discomfort in mind as we go forward. And if you want, keep the tiger pants in your mind if you want to talk to Andy after. Um, well, if you don't know me, my name's Craig, and as Andy kind of referenced, I get to do a whole lot of things around here. Um, I've served in many capacities over the last nine years, and right now I get to be the worship pastor and lead our worship teams. I get to oversee youth ministry, and you just get to be a part of all different parts of life at church, which is such an honor. It's a blessing. Um, and also about me, 
I've been trying to pursue the Lord pretty much my whole life. Like, I feel like there was parts even in my young childhood where I was trying to figure it out and all of those different ways. But in my teenage years, I started to diligently and passionately and actively pursue God. So that's where I'm kind of coming from. But I want to share with you today a little bit of my story of discomfort as it relates to God and the inbreaking of his spirit and the way he uses his people through the whole power of the Holy Spirit. And I also want to share a little bit about how Acts, the book of Acts, um, kind of warns us, shows us, tells us, reminds us of what we're getting into when we start to follow Jesus. So let me start by taking you back to my first memories of being uncomfortable around people passionately pursuing their faith and ministering to others in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm a freshman in high school. Um, I had grown up, uh, I had like a faith and religious background. I grew up in a Catholic school. Um, and I was invited by a friend of mine, um, I didn't, a very new friend of mine, to come to his basement and go do this group called Teen Alpha. And what that was, this was just this really group of teenagers with a couple adult volunteers, and it was like Christianity 101. You could ask any question you wanted. You just kind of pressed into these questions about faith and God. And it all, I was like, I can do that. That's, that doesn't sound that crazy. And my friend, he, uh, at this time I was going to a Catholic high school, and so was he. So I'm like, I, I get this. We're on the same playing field. Nothing. I, I'm signed up. Let's go. So it was all pretty normal and intriguing, and I was like, this is cool. And at the end, someone said, hey, can you pray for this? I don't even remember what it was. And I was like, okay, cool. They're going to, like, write it down and put it on a list of petitions. No. No. They, like, were like, let's go. I'm like, I don't know what this means. So they all huddle around this person, a sea of people just huddled around laying hands on this person, and they begin praying like God's going to do something right then, like right now. And I'm like, okay. Um, so they really thought God was going to break into that room and fix or heal or change something about what was going on right in front of us all. And I'm, so I'm behind the couch, like they're there and I'm behind the couch just like, Please let me see headlights in the door. That means my mom's here, and I'm out of here. I was like, this is okay. I didn't sign up for this. And so, you know, full disclosure, for the record, I've now seen so many times when God would break in, show up, and in similar environments, and meet people or heal people or change everything about someone's life in a, in a similar setting. I've seen this time and time again. But in that night, I was completely dis uncomfortable, completely. And despite my discomfort that night, I did not miss a single meeting of that moving forward. I begged my parents when I had homework that wasn't done or I was grounded, which was a common, very all-too-common occurrence. I begged them, don't let me miss one of these. I mean, the last thing I remembered of them was, get me out of here, please, please, car, show up. And I never missed another one. So from discomfort, I went to, I got to be there. Um, and so as I continued my journey, as I kind of pressed into this church that this group was a part of, um, I, I felt myself confronted with discomfort over and over again. As we'd worship, or rather they'd worship, on Sunday mornings, um, or we'd be in our student ministry space, because as that grew, we were in office buildings, and we were in our new church building at some point. These people would be worshiping, and I was like so intrigued. I, it was just like nothing I'd ever experienced. These people were after it. They cared. I could just see that there was something different happening in them than what I had ever experienced. They meant it. 
They didn't care what anybody else in the room was doing or thinking. They were just going for it. And I've never seen that level of passion ever. And so I was uncomfortable, plain and simple. I wanted what they had, but I was uncomfortable. I didn't know what to do with this. And I was so uncomfortable and so weirded out to the point where I didn't even sing out loud with them for years. I didn't even sing out loud. But as I was going through this time, I began silently praying to God for all of the things that they seemed to be experienced, for all of the things these songs were saying and represented, for all the things I was hearing in messages. I began just praying for that, even though I was uncomfortable and I didn't know how to get there. And so before I knew it, I'd be in our youth room, again, sometimes at this old uh, office building behind a Wendy's. I mean, it was not something cool. And then sometimes in our new, you know, when we finally built the church and Before I knew it, I'd be on my hands and knees, quietly sobbing during worship. Now, put yourself in my scenario. I'm a 15, 16, 17-year-old guy. This is embarrassing. This is not what you do in a crowd of your peers is cry, least of all lay on the ground and weep, right? But I couldn't help it to the point where I didn't even know how much time had passed Most of these ended, and this happened time and time again, most of these ended with me looking up and realizing the 40 other students that were in the room had left. (laughs) They're just like in the back eating snacks or outside playing football or whatever. The night had ended, but the the worship band was so gracious to me and just kept playing. They're like, this guy's having a moment. Let's, Let's go. And, I mean, I just remember this. Like, this was unbelievable. This is not what you do, especially as a 15 or 16-year-old kid. Um... And I just, in case you're wondering, the band was made up of like two 60-year-old rockers, a 14-year-old drummer, uh, an engineer that played bass, right? Like, and a worship or a youth guy that was also the worship pastor, who was like he defined '90s redneck youth worker, right? Like, this is the state. I love that man to death, and he would say that himself. Don't get me wrong. But I say that to say this, like this wasn't like a riverbend, like this was just so sonically amazing that I fell to my knees. No, this was week in, week out. Sometimes there was two people on stage, sometimes there was ten. But God was working in me, in my discomfort, because I kept coming into the discomfort. I kept showing up and being vulnerable. So I say all of this to set up this point. Encountering God is often uncomfortable and always requires some level of vulnerability. I could share countless stories of when I had to set aside my own comfort and even my own dignity, but then was met with peace and power and grace and a deepened relationship with God and intimacy that literally transformed my life. So let's, let's jump into Acts. Let's read from Acts chapter 2 if you've got your Bibles, you want to turn them on. Um, in Acts chapter, 20, Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, we're going to read a story in Scripture that is where a lot of people are very uncomfortable. And this story, even today in churches, is uncomfortable. Churches either just don't deal with it, they don't know how to handle it, they just push it into the back of history and go, it happened, but we're <laughs> it's a little weird. So this is a story of discomfort. So let's read that now. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, 
And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Some translations say speaking in tongues. So I want to rewind just really quickly. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together. So I think a lot of us, most of the time when we read the story of Pentecost, if we've been around the church a while, we, we picture 12 guys in a room. Uh, sorry, Judas, 11. Um, but we picture this like room with just a couple guys, right? And this happens, and this is crazy, right, even at 11. But we see in Acts 1, they kind of set the scene for who's here. These, people, these guys were not traveling alone. There was about 120 people. It literally gives the number of women and children, like their families were with them, other followers of Christ. Like they weren't just traveling alone. Like there was a following, and they were all here. So that takes this scene of a mighty windstorm and tongues of fire and flames and the Holy Spirit settling on each of them and speaking another language to a whole new level, right, when it's not just 11 dudes, right? This is bigger than that. Some discomfort here, right? This is a wild scene. Let's, let's continue on. At the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. A lot of languages represented there, more than 11 by my count. They're mind blown. And we hear all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Not only are they speaking in their language, we, we get a glimpse of what they're talking about, God and all he's done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Anyone ever been drunk and spoken another language? <laughs> Typical, I know. <laughs> then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I love that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. This is what it says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will be turned blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a wild scene, right? We've, we've set the stage well of this is uncomfortable. This is crazy. How many of you have ever been around a large group of drunk people? Can you think of some? I, I think back to, like, say, a Bengals game in the early 2000s. My wife will never go back. Right? If you put yourself in that scenario, I think it's, it's uncomfortable, right? Anything can happen. And part of you is like, I kind of want to see what's going to happen. And the other part of you, the bigger part of you, is probably like, I got to get out of this scenario. And this is what is being described in Acts. Like, regular people said, they're just drunk. This is, this is drunk people. This is what's happening. That was their best explanation of what was going on. 
Now, the cool thing is with, with the discomfort that comes with the Holy Spirit, you always wind up kind of coming back and wanting more. And when I say always, I mean, it's not always immediate. But if it's really God, if it's really the Holy Spirit, like these people thought they were drunk, but they stuck around. And they started to see, no, there's power here that's not just people out of their minds. This is real. And so the cool thing about the discomfort the Holy Spirit brings is that it will draw you in, not push you away, in time. But let's talk about this wild entrance of the Holy Spirit. This is weird because didn't the apostles already receive the Holy Spirit? We read in John 20, 21 to 22, 23, Jesus says this to the apostles. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So Jesus says this. He breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Some translations say, Receive my Spirit. So they have the Holy Spirit, along with the authority that comes with that, to forgive sins. Like, the Spirit is there, because they're not forgiven sins without the authority of the Holy Spirit. They have this. They've got it. They're saved. They're good. Like, Holy Spirit's there, and yet, Acts 1 says, Jesus says, wait here until the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay, it's coming again. Okay. And then he says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized here is, is filled, immersed, drenched. If you've heard me talk in the past, there's this idea of pickling associated with that word in the Greek. And if you know about pickling at all, when you submerge like a, a, I want to say fruit, but it's usually a vegetable, into this vinegar solution, it immediately transforms it. Pickling ha- occurs immediately when it's submerged in whatever that liquid is. And it can't, it can't turn back. It, you can't change it back. You can't get back what it once was. Now, and if you know anything about this, it continues on. The longer it's submerged, the more it transforms into this new thing. Um, I think it's a really cool expression of, our time with the Holy Spirit and being filled. But, all right, so we, he breathes on them. We have this filling that's coming that he's tell, telling them to wait for. Um, all of this has happened. So why do we continue in Acts to keep reading about people being filled with the Spirit? It's already happened. Do they have leaks? I thought this was one and done, right? Like, I've, if I've received the Holy Spirit, I'm, we're good. I'm done. Like, does the Spirit just leave? Well, what we begin to see throughout all of Acts, but right here in this moment too, is the idea that the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that changes us, right? It transforms us. It trades our brokenness for holiness. It renews our identity, and it provides us this permanent connection to Jesus and the Father. That, That indwelling is there, right? But we see that just like in Peter himself, later in Acts 4, we see Peter himself Uh, being filled again. The Holy Spirit engages and encounters people at different times in different ways. Peter was filled at Pentecost. The Spirit isn't coming and going. He was filled at Pentecost, but he was filled again in Acts 4, talking to an entirely different group of people. And so what we see here is the Spirit of God isn't just the static presence. He's not static. He is the Spirit of God. He's a person, he is dynamic, he is active, he is present, he is powerful, he is calm, he is peace, but he's also wind and fire. 
He was there at creation, hovering over the waters. When God started calling things into existence, the Spirit was doing that. He was involved in that. So he's not static. He's a person. And so where I think that takes us is to encounter or be filled or receive such a presence, such a God, may be a little bit different all the time. May be a little bit different for every person. May be very uncomfortable. I think it's more weird to say that if we encounter the Holy Spirit or invite him into our lives, our life just continues the same way and like we're all normal and everybody's fine and nothing weird happens. That's more weird than to say I encountered the presence of God and things got a little weird. Right? The presence of God is coming into the lives of people. All throughout Scripture we see it, but we also see it now in modern life. Like, we're inviting the presence of God to show up into our lives, and we're expecting us to remain normal. That's, a, that's, that's abnormal for us to think that way, but yet we do. So the challenge here is that when we encounter God, we should expect some discomfort. We may even have others thinking we're drunk in the morning, right? Like, that's okay. They'll get it. So I'm going to invite uh, Jason and Kristen Scott from Activation Ministries up. Um, I'm going to do a little interview with them, and they're going to kind of invite us into some discomfort in a minute. Um, I'm real pumped about this. If you guys don't know them, they're amazing people. Um, I'll lower this just a touch. But as they come up, I, wanna, I want you guys to grab your Connect cards really quick. We're going to do some next steps really fast. And you don't have to, we're not going to come around with buckets. They'll be in the back later, and there's a big black box back that you can drop these in. But I want to challenge you to take a moment and take one of two next steps. One is this. Right away, you have been unwilling to get uncomfortable and vulnerable with God. As I've been talking and we've been reading Acts and hearing of different ways people are just uncomfortable with God, something might have stood out like, yeah, that's not an area I'm going to go. I'm not going to be seen that way. I want the Holy Spirit to do a lot in me to this point, right? So this is a vulnerable step you could take. It's just write that down. What is it? What's that line where you're like, that's too uncomfortable? God, no. This is not about condemning you. God's gracious with you. But I think a next step in pursuing the Holy Spirit and the Lord is to figure out where discomfort is and press into it. So if you're not ready to take that level of a next step, or you just don't have that in your mind, the other next step you could take is to do this, is just simply say to God, you can write it down, but say it to God this morning, God, I want to step into discomfort and vulnerability with you. I want to step into discomfort and vulnerability with you. And let him lead you into whatever that looks like for where you're at. It's different for everybody, like we said. But it is going to require a little vulnerability. It is going to require a little discomfort. So those are the two next steps. Again, you can drop those off in the back. You can hang on to them for the rest of the service. If something else comes up, you want to write. Um, but now I want to take a second and ask Jason and Kristen a few questions. Um, and then have them lead us in this opportunity to pursue the Holy Spirit a little more. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. So, <laughs> thanks for being here. Um, so I got an important question first. You guys ready? This is for both of you. Do you guys own any white tiger striped pants? <laughs> I think the most impressive thing about that was how tight they were. Am I, am I the only one? <laughs> I didn't see that. You're welcome. <laughs> but do you guys own any? No. no. Oh, well, then we're done. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm kidding. You ordered them myself. 
It's like, where'd you get those? See Andy, Andy after church, he knows where to get them. Um, so real quick, can you guys just give like a 60-second, uh, who, who are you guys? Sure. This is Kristen, my beautiful wife. I love Adam's T-shirt, by the way. I don't know where he is, but I love my wife T-shirt. That was pretty <laughs> awesome. There, look at that. And guess what? <laughs> and I, I felt like through worship, which was amazing, I felt like Jesus was saying, well, we're, we're, he, we're his bride, right? And it was like, oh, you love me. So anyway, uh, Jason and Kristen, yeah, Activation Ministries. We have a daughter, Evie, who's 15, Caleb, who's 13, this next week. We live in Loveland. And uh, yeah, we, we both, um, just by the leading of the Holy Spirit, left our jobs in, in corporate America and education to start this little ministry. So we do a lot of prayer um, and equipping, and so we've done a lot of that actually here at Blue Ash. So we've been coming along, I don't know, past four, four or five years maybe, uh, and that's what we'll be doing after service in a workshop is kind of equipping you to walk with the Spirit. And then also encounters, like how to help people create space in their life where they run into God more often. So that's kind of us in a nutshell. That's awesome. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, uh, I've heard this story uh, a couple times from you, but you have an awesome story of your journey of engaging the Holy Spirit and kind of what that process looked like. And so could you just share some of that with us? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the Trinity is tough to understand, right? I'm an adult, and I still don't get the full mystery of God in three persons and how that fully works, let alone uh, a kid growing up in the church trying to understand that. You know, I, I think I had a really good idea of how the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, what their roles were in my salvation. You know, the Father loved me so much, he loves us so much, that he sent the Son as my sacrifice for sin. And if I chose to accept that, then he would send his Spirit, and the Spirit would come into my life as a deposit and signifying me as one of his kids. But what I think was um, hard for me to understand with the Trinity was really the role of all of them as I walked and lived out my faith journey. It was really easy for me to embrace a father and a son because that was familiar, right? All of us have dads. Some of us have brothers. And so I think we understand that relationship. You know, the, the father for me was um, very similar to my own dad, who was absent but accessible. And I, I, I felt like I knew how to relate to a dad. And so talking to God and having relationship with him growing up was pretty easy. I went to him for wisdom, for guidance. When I needed correction or help, he was the part of the Trinity that I had relationship and formed a really good bond there. Similarly with the son, with Jesus, you know, he was close and kind. You read about him and he's so beautiful in the Bible, right? His love, his generosity, his kindness. And so it was easy for me to draw near to Jesus and have a relationship with him because I felt loved. I felt seen. I felt known. I was comforted and experienced his mercy. But the spirit was really hard you know, it's hard to relate to, and there's a ton of mystery. For me, the spirit was almost like, as Craig was saying, this static presence that was a tattoo. Like, I had been tattooed with God's spirit, and he was my bridge, my access to God, 
or my access to Jesus, but he was just sort of there. It wasn't anything that I related to or knew much about. And the churches that I grew up in, um, no one was talking about the spirit. No one was sharing what it looked like to walk in the spirit or be spirit filled. That just wasn't language. And my family, even though we were regular Christ followers that attended church, even my family didn't talk about the spirit and try to make that normal or familiar to me. And so it was way easier for me just to have this relationship with the father and the son and kind of ignore and forget about the spirit completely. And I knew that there were people who were quote unquote spirit filled. I did not go to church with them and I didn't regularly bump into them. But I did experience some of their passion, as you were saying, Craig. I love that analogy. And the passion that they had made me very uncomfortable. The people that I saw who were spirit-filled or embracing the spirit, walking with the spirit, I thought they were just radical and weird and way too serious about their Christianity. I was like, I don't need that. I've got God and Jesus like wrapped up in this comfortable little box that makes sense to me, and I'm totally okay here. I don't need that. They're just crazy. And depending upon where you grow up, I mean, sometimes the church and the theology we have is we label and put these stereotypes in these camps or these boxes, and you kind of learn like in the, in the environment that you're in, like they really are weird, or they're doing it wrong, or that's not right, and we shouldn't do that. And I felt like I grew up with some of that timidity and fear and feeling like I don't need that and I don't want that in my life. But um, after we were married, Jason, a few years into our marriage, really was the catalyst for me to make a change and start to acknowledge and embrace the Holy Spirit. He came to me and was uh, reading a book that really just challenged him. And I know that he, he'll even tell you the red letters of the Bible became very, very um, just alive to him of wanting to align his life to scripture. And he was like, I'm going after this Holy Spirit thing. And right. y- you think <laughs> <laughs> it was a thing because yeah, we didn't uh, know. We didn't yeah. know it was a thing. It was. And it was like when it was presented to us. You know, he was like, I'm going to go do this, and you can either come with me or you can watch. And it was one of the, it, it didn't sound that harsh, but I felt that way. You know, he would, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to this service, this Holy Spirit service. And I was like, yeah, you can go to that. And I would send him, and he'd come back and report until I felt very <laughs> comfortable, right? But, um, you know, in the process of this, I, I felt like I had a, a convicting moment. So Jason kind of presented this idea, and I I found myself at church one day, and we were singing, and uh, I don't even remember the title of of the song, but it was like, Jesus, like, God, you're my all in all. And I just remember the Lord so sweetly, but so powerfully convicting me in that moment, like, Kristen, do you actually believe that? Like, am I your all in all? Have you gone after all of me? And I was like, no, (laughs) I haven't. I knew I was missing out on something. There was a part of God, a piece of God, his spirit, his power, that I just wasn't willing to enter into. And I remember in that moment, I just had this this prayer that I held on to. I said, okay, God, if you want to lead me into this, into embracing this spirit and knowing you that way, 
then I first want to love you more. I don't think I love you enough in order to enter into that relationship. And what the Lord did in a beautiful unfolding, I can't even describe to you all the little things that took place, but there was a wooing of my heart, and it was a process. And I would show up, and I would just say, okay, God, help me love you more. And as I did, he poured himself out on me in a greater way. And in that process, I came across this amazing book written by Francis Chan called The Forgotten God. And it helped answer every single question, fear, worry, nervousness about the Holy Spirit. And I really got introduced to the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And all of those baggage things that I was carrying just very quickly broke down. And I, I just remember I finally got to this point where I was so in love with the Lord and so convinced in his goodness and his graciousness that if there was something more for me, I wanted it. And I call it my green light moment. You know, I, I very clearly remember sitting in our bedroom. We had this cozy little chair. And I, it was at that point I was like, okay, God. Like, I feel like I'm ready. I feel like anything that I was holding back from you, I don't want that to be a barrier anymore. And whatever you have for me in the way of the Holy Spirit, I'm ready, I'm yours, and I want it. And I just said a simple prayer like that. And nothing happened in the room. There wasn't any wind. There wasn't any tongues. There wasn't anything weird. But I felt God's approval. I felt his just... He was so excited, and I knew that me letting go more control and yielding to him, I knew that from that point forward, nothing was going to be the same because I was giving him greater access to me, and that's exactly what happened in my life. just took off with the Spirit, and I've never been the same ever since. Thanks for sharing that. It's yeah. awesome. Um, so, got a few more questions here. The first one is just, why, why do you think, because you guys live in this and work in this in multiple arenas within the church and within the world, like why do you think there is such a tension or even apprehension surrounding the Holy Spirit part of God? Yeah, there really is. I think answering for me, which I think is somewhat common for other people, is we do really like to control things. <laughs> and I think having it, the box, this is, Lord, this is my part, this is your part. So honestly, I think control just like when we surrender our life to Jesus, Lord, I surrender. There's this ongoing surrender and sanctification. There's a lot of surrender around allowing the spirit to flow. So I think it's control. I think we fear man more than we fear God. Like I'm preparing for this. I'm like, oh, boy, I hope this is what they wanted. I hope we don't sound weird. you know. And God's like, hey, I'm pleased with you. Do it. Like you should really be caring about what God thinks. Um, I think... Kristen hinted on it, but we purposefully or inadvertently placed ourselves in camps. Okay, to your point, we do in our ministry, it's just kind of odd. We get to float around to different denominations. It's really, and you get to really, pay, oh, that's like a core value or core belief. And so maybe our charismatic friends on the extreme are like, you speak in tongues. Do you speak in tongues? I'm like, <laughs> shut up. You know, <laughs> forgive me. I mean, shut up, but I'm like, it's the thing. And I'm not saying for every, okay. But that is an experience you have. Is that the thing? I'm like, well, I'm following Jesus. The other side of it, though, if you say maybe more reformed, it appears that that camp looks at all of the worst examples of what 
walking in the spirit looks like, and they make that like the rule. And that is just as inaccurate as this. And so we really feel called as husband, wife, family, ministry to this messy middle, honestly. And it's interesting, these camps we can find ourselves in in church are very similar to like the political camps. And there's there's something behind it. There's even a, a spirit that's not the spirit of God that can have us like, so, so we're just trying to be like open-handed. Lord, I don't know. Boy, your scripture says this. Show me, Lord. Give me revelation about your word. I feel like that's what he did leading me into the things of the spirit. But I think that's the big thing. We're in camps. And then the enemy is sprinkling all his, sprinkling all his little fairy dust all over the whole thing and making it a very contentious thing versus help me understand. Why, why is it you believe that, that uh, we're not to be filled? Why is it you believe that tongues don't exist anymore? Like, help it, that's not happening much, and so we're just trying to be in the middle and be like, it's a little uncomfortable here, but we're going to press into Jesus. Jesus, reveal your truth. That's cool. Thanks so, for shedding light on that. Yeah. So uh, on that idea of being filled and, you know, thinking through Acts where we just were, you know, yeah. why should we desire this idea of being filled and not just be content with this indwelling presence? Like, how could you describe this indwelling versus filling? And Yeah, you know, um, like I, I shared in my story, I feel like the, the indwelling was there, and I had a really sweet and beautiful relationship with the Father and the Son. But when I got to that point of really relinquishing all of my will and my control, there was something that changed in me. I had a deeper hunger for God. I had um, a boldness that arose in me. He became way more important and way more all-encompassing to me than he had been before because I had given him more access to me in my life. And I, I feel like, you know, the sweetness that I had with God just got even more ripe. You know, it's like, do we believe that God is good? Do we believe that he is beautiful and merciful and loving, stepping into more of that, you just receive and deeper, even more of a picture of who he is. So why would we not want to step into that? Yeah. And I would just add, there is a shift, I believe for us, again, we're just speaking from our own experience where it became more about, you know, the comforter, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, correcting me, encouraging me, helping me to when we got filled with the Holy Spirit, which has happened multiple times, started it. We started getting pickled again this morning with worship. <laughs> I mean, it was. Could anyone feel their tank filling up a little bit? Um, there's something that changes that makes you much more outward focused, which I think then really does start to align your life with the scriptures. You know, because Jesus said, uh, wait for this. Why? So you will be empowered to be my witnesses, right? So I don't, I, I ask myself, do I feel powerful? I mean, do you, I mean, do you feel powerful? You know, the, the disciples were scared. They were afraid of the Roman Empire. They were actually hiding. What happened where they were preaching the gospel boldly, going out through all the world, even to the point of death, I'm like, am I ready to die? No, I'm nowhere close. Oh, maybe I'm a bit empty. And so I think something happens when you just become more bold, more others focused. I think the other thing that happens, you know, Jesus calls us to do things that are actually impossible to do without him. So the Holy Spirit is actually the power, the dunamis power, right? It's Jesus gives us the exousia authority, but the Holy Spirit is the dynamite, literally that word dunamis power 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 
to do these things that are literally impossible to do without him. Sometimes it's signs and wonders. Sometimes it's, it's, it's all that. Oftentimes it's forgiving your enemies or walking in this light. And so Jesus says some really hard things that I'm like, I can't do that. Right, Jason, you're not supposed to be operating on good human power, but you're supposed to be operating on the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think as we sort of walk in at this you start looking at the scriptures like, oh, my goodness, I'm not Jesus. I'm not even these disciples. But I can see at some point, if I keep leaning in, I am going to see more people get healed. We've seen some people healed. We've seen some devils cast out of people. We've, you know, I haven't seen the dead raised. I haven't seen some of this. But you start to see, and then your witness, right, that's your witness to the world. Um, and you start to get to the point where, wow, Lord, I do believe all things are possible. And so, um, yeah, but it's a process. Thanks. Um, so really just have two questions left and then we'll just jump off in the activation. Um, what are, what are some ways you've seen, you kind of touched on some of them there, but what are some ways you've seen people experience this filling idea and, and what might encountering the Holy Spirit look like in our context today, um, versus acts? Yeah, um, I think when, when the Holy Spirit comes, uh, one of the major things that I've, I feel and experience him in is just peace. I feel like there's just a washing over me where the weight and the burdens that I have just get lifted off and I feel lighter and I feel refreshed and restored. Uh, even this morning, you know, I felt like, as Jason said, I felt like the Holy Spirit came and I started laughing. He, I got this picture in my mind of a memory and I, I really thought I was going to be in trouble and like <laughs> laugh out loud and not be able to contain it. But sometimes he just releases that sense of joy and it's so overwhelming that you're like, oh my gosh, Lord, you're so good that you're you just flow in that to the point of where you're just laughing and overflowing of this this beautiful joy um one of the funny things that is actually taken place with me as the holy spirit um has sort of embodied and infilled me is I actually became a shaker. <laughs> I never before had that been a thing. And Jason will tell you, I am like the last person who ever wanted to have shaking or any physical manifestation of the spirit. But I grew to really, really enjoy it because I knew that he was there. And that's weird, right? No one wants their body or their hand or anything to shake under the presence of God. But I'm like, yes, like, God, you are here. You are doing things. And because you're here, there's so many things that are possible. Yeah. And uh, she's not shaking like this. It was just she would shake a little bit, this rumbling. And, you know, we have this promise that streams of living water will run through us. I was at a conference a couple months ago and I went to bed one night after there was praying for the infilling. And I was like, what is going on? I thought the bed was like a vibrating bed or something at this Airbnb. And I was like, Lord, what is? And it was just it was like I was laying in the back of a pickup truck going on a gravel road, just this rumbling. And I'm like, OK, Lord, I don't know what this means, but I give you access. So peace a weight comes with his presence, sometimes a softening of heart. Sometimes you start repenting. Sometimes you'll feel a rumble, and you can. He will give you a prayer language where you just maybe want to open it. Like, it may just come like that. I actually had a very dramatic, I, I'm not one that gets flopped on the ground, this or that, but um, after studying about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and getting prayed for, nothing happened, and it wasn't until the middle of the night one night where I was, getting a lot of torment from the enemy and I would just wake up and go Jesus and I would have relief but this particular night I couldn't even get Jesus out and something started bubbling up in me and I blew up like the best thing I can explain is like the incredible hulk 
Like it was, and that would stop, and I was like, and I blew up, and something like fire or lightning went from the top of my head all the way through my body out my toes. And I've heard that before um, of that happening, but it's kind of like a birth story. If you hear women talk about, like every single one is different. I have not heard the same story. It's however the Lord made you, how he wants to reach you in that moment. It's nothing to fear because I can tell you her boldness has just come out. Our desire for the things of Jesus, our revelation of the Father's love, our witness, like all of that changed. And with it came this hunger. He filled us, but it increased our hunger. So like we want more, we want more. It's like a snow globe. You know, it's like, well, if I just held a snow globe here, I'm like, well, the spirit's in there. I had the deposit of the spirit. Absolutely. But when you shake it once, all of a sudden, there's a fullness. It was already there. But there was an access and fullness where the mind of God, the thoughts of God, the power of God. And so it is a thing. It is a moment. But I think we're called to, as Ephesians says, to be continually filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Um, I feel like uh, I relate to the, I don't want to shake, and I don't want people to see me shake. I, right. I don't want to cry as a teenage boy in the weirdo. middle of a room. Yeah, you don't want to be the weirdo, right? But that just comes with the territory yeah. of, of that vulnerability and that willingness to say, God, you can have it all. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't need the control. So yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm not going to ask the last question. I think we're right where we need to be. Yeah, cool. Um, so real quick, as I just hand over to Jason, we're a little bit over on time. Okay. So what I want to challenge you guys all to do is just sit in this for a little bit. Um, I'll check in with kids, make sure they're good, um, and we will release you at a reasonable time. If you got to go, you got to go, but um, sit in this. Take some time with this. The worship team is going to come up as we kind of get through this, and we'll worship a little bit more, but take your time with this. Cool. Uh, Jason, yeah. take over. Yeah, so we're just going to pray. It's just an opportunity to get your tank full, to relinquish maybe a little bit more of the control, and the picture we had when we were praying, and so I'm going to ask Andy to come up maybe and just stand stand here at the, at the foot of wherever. We had this thought of, you ever been to a wedding and they set up the plastic champagne cups and then someone pours the champagne and it just cascades down? I kind of thought that that was going to happen for all of us today as we just kind of pray for Andy. In the scriptures, oftentimes you see there was a laying on of hands. That doesn't happen every time just because that's an example. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit can't just meet you. And so we're going to pray that way. And this is the Spirit was already poured out at Pentecost. It's really a matter of receiving. And so I'll pray in ways like, come Holy Spirit or more, Lord. Well, it's already, he's released it. It's more about how can we partner to receive. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. And um, you heard Kristen gave the, the thought about a green light. Some of you, you're like, yes, I've been filled before. I am empty. Something needs to change. I'm in, Lord. I want to receive. And maybe you just kind of open your hands, and you're just going to receive. Um, and that's awesome. But maybe some of you are more like the caution, right? You're the yellow light. You're like, oh, boy, I don't know. This is kind of a new thought. I need to wrestle with that. I'm just going to ask that you just still stand there and let the presence of God wash over you. Let him speak to you. Let him give him your thoughts. And let him woo you to give up a little bit more. And then red light. You're like, whoa, I just came here visiting this church. I don't even know where I'm at with Jesus. You know, okay, I, I grew up in a church. They said this was bad. And, okay, okay, this is 
this should draw you closer to Jesus then. Wrestle this out with Jesus. The Holy Spirit magnifies the Son. This is all, this isn't a separate thing. It's a spirit in us, right? And this is what everyone wanted. This is what God promised. The Israelites encamped around his presence. We now get his presence, so let's lean into his presence. But if I would ask red lighters, it's fine. We've all been there, okay? I would ask you just take one step closer to Jesus, and I would ask that you would do that. Go up to one of the prayer teams and just say, I'm just not there. My heart's hard towards Jesus, or I don't know what I think. We just pray? Because often what the Lord has for us is found in other people. There are things you just won't get unless you lean in and, and, and humble yourself and allow someone else to pray. So green light, go for it. Yellow light, just sit and have a moment with the Lord. And red light, we love you. And just be there. God knows your heart. Maybe you need to pray like Kristen did. Lord, I don't love you enough for this. Like, you need to woo me. I'm your daughter. Scripturally, I'm your bride. Woo me. You can do that. And I watched her do that and walk it out, and I watched the Lord meet her. So, Father God, I thank you for all these amazing people here at Blue Ash. We love this body of believers. I love the servant's heart at this church modeled from Andy and Craig, their families, and just everyone, but I see it in the people. They love you, Jesus. They want your truth. And part of your truth, Lord, is walking out these impossible things you've called us to. With, with By myself, it is impossible, but with you, all is possible. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now, and will you please fill up our tanks right now? I ask that you would um, pour yourself out in a new way over Andy and Craig and the leadership team here at Blue Ash, that like a wave of just water. We prayed for the rain. I'm asking for you to make it rain in here, Lord. Make it rain for the glory of Jesus, that you would move across um, Andy and then into the front row, the second row, all the way back to the sound, to the, to the children in the other room, and just an opportunity to receive, to get our tanks Full, that we can participate in discipling the nation, that we can participate in the Great Commission, that we can participate in being your witnesses all over the world. Lord, we want your best. You paid for this, Jesus. So I'm asking you to come right now. Come fill us up. And friends, as the Lord just kind of moves and just, I, I just like to breathe him in. I'm just like, Lord, I receive you more, Lord. And just, if you're agreeing with any of it, I would say more, Lord, more. And if there's some little step you can take to just participate in what he's doing, I think oftentimes we think he's just going to zap us and, and make things happen to us. He's such a gentleman. It's an invitation for more. So maybe for you, it's just like, I'm going to open my heart a crack and, and, and he'll, you know, give him an inch and he'll probably take a mile, right? But he, he's waiting for that opening. So I pray for a softening of hearts right now in the name of Jesus to all that the Lord has for each one of us. And I pray specifically for people that have the red light up. They don't know what they think of Jesus. I pray, Lord, you would soften them to surrender, that they can put down the shovel, they can stop digging, and they can just surrender and, and let the love of God wrap them up. Some of you take a step and, and go to a prayer team. We see that in scriptures where there was a laying on of hands. They're just going to pray more, Lord more. So we just pray more, more, more. Spirit of God, will you come? Release your graces. Release for those that have been like, I wonder if I can get a prayer language. Will you release prayer languages within here, Lord? Uh, prophetic words, scriptures, pictures, images, visions, dreams, calling, boldness. Lord, often you see boldness 
to share the gospel, to preach the gospel. Lord, to love the unlovable, to forgive the unforgivable. All of it, Lord, we want more. Come, Lord, release streams of living water. I pray that some in here would even have a rumbling inside of them, just this little rumble going on. I pray that everyone here would, would sense, Lord, you are doing something. Lord, more, more peace. More, more. I'm just going to sit in this for a minute. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus, you actually said it'd be better that you left. What? Because you were sending the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Helper. And so, Lord, as we get uncomfortable, we have this promise that the Comforter will be there for us. And maybe some of us haven't experienced the Holy Spirit much because we haven't put ourselves in, in very many uncomfortable situations. The Holy Spirit, I know you're just going to wrap up each one of us like in a blanket and your peace, your thoughts, the mind of God, the thoughts of Christ will come. Just for more, Lord, more, more. We don't want to be the same, Lord. We want to leave different because you marked us. You filled us. Like that snow globe, Lord, just shake us up, shake up our insides a little bit to, to release your fullness. Let the tears come, let the heart soften, breathe him in, let him talk to you, let him smile on you. Some of us just need to be loved, let him love on you. Some of us come, came in as a kitty cat and you're going to leave as a lion. That's what happened to my wife. The boldness, the lion of Judah comes upon you. And everybody has to know what he did in you and through you and for you. Fear of man, go in Jesus' name. That the holy fear of God would rest upon us. open up our grip of control. We, we, we trust you, Lord. We trust you. You're so good, Lord. More, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. And I would encourage you, if you're standing next to someone, just put your hand on their shoulder and just go, more, Lord. More. This is how the body of Christ builds itself out, builds itself up and edifies itself. And Lord, I pray as, as we just minister to one another, just with more, that you would heal the body of Christ here. Here, specifically Blue Ash, any wounding, um, th there would just be a healing salve poured out. Lord, your oil, the oil of your presence, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that we would just leak all over the place as we leave this place like a colander that you're pouring water in and we would just splash all over our kids when we pick them up, our spouse that may not be here, our coworkers, that we would just be leaking and realize, oh, I'm, I'm pouring it out. So Lord, I'm gonna have to come back again Sunday or in the quiet of my bedroom, I need another filling. And that's what it is. You pour it out and we're not like the Dead Sea, right? We're like the Sea of Galilee that the Jordan flows into us and we release out, right? We don't want to be like the Dead Sea and let all that build up. So, 
release your streams of living water, that we can be a conduit and not a container, Lord, for your glory, that they would know the Son of God came to save sinners, died, was resurrected, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. This testifies to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Let that be, that, let that ever change us, Lord. Let that be our song, Lord, that we would testify to the Son for his glory. And I just believe the Lord's going to continue to fill up your tank just through the rest of the day. And just when he, when you notice, just thank you, Lord. I sense your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just let gratitude and praise and thanks flow out of you. And now we're just going to stay in this and just go into a time of worship. Just continue to press in. And those songs we sang at the beginning, which were so beautifully uh, put out there by the worship team, I want you to, to, to reflect on those later and think about the words we were saying about the Holy Spirit to come like a wind, like a rain, to fill us. And uh, I think those words will have just even greater meaning for you. But let's just enter a time of worship.